0: Good, boys and girls. The two footed podcast on Tuesday, the 24th of August, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access anything you're geo blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com, both hardware and software packages available. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops over on Etsy. Just download the Etsy app to your phone and search EPL Index or Anfield Index. Loads of cool merch there. Right, folks. Um, very quickly before we begin. Today marks the one-year birthday of the two footed podcast. So, I just very quickly like to say thank you to Guy Drinkle, who's been with me for the entire year, to Eddie Gibbs, Greg Hopcroft, and Gags Tandon, who gave me the opportunity to do this, to all of you for listening each and every day, for all the guests that have come on over the past year, uh, much appreciated. And in the year ahead, I'm sure we'll have some of them back on and we'll have some new ones too. So, I didn't think we'd reach a year we have. Thank you very much to everybody who supported the show in any, any way. It is greatly appreciated. And uh, here's to another year. Right. Leicester City travelled to London last night and got their backsides kicked. West Ham 4. Leicester City 1. Pablo Fornals put the Hammers 1-0 up. A tidy finish after good work from side Ben Rama. West Ham had won the ball back in the middle of the field. Loose play from Jamie Vardy. The Hammers win the ball. Really progressive, really aggressive attack. Get it wide. Rama with the cross. And Fornals with a really good finish. Rama himself would make it two. Again, it's sloppy from Leicester. It's really, really poor from Kagler Sionchu. He's pressed. He turns. He plays a dreadful pass. Not even looking for Schmeichel. Mikel Antonio picks the ball up. And sets it up for a real simple tap-in. For Ben Rama. A goal that West Ham absolutely deserved. In between the two goals. Eose Perez had been sent off. A little bit unfortunate. But a warranted red card. A clumsy stumble. And he clattered into Pablo Fornals. Caught him high on the leg. and Well high below the knee. But still high on the leg. And um, and red carded. And rightly so. Brendan Rodgers had himself a small tantrum on the sideline. There was no argument against that card. I think when Rogers sees it, he will understand why Eosie Perez was sent off. He won't understand why his team fell apart the way they did. Now, Yuri Thielemans would get them back in the game on 69 minutes. A scrappy goal, but a goal nonetheless, as he tapped home after some decent work. And then Antonio just decided to take things into his own hands. When it looked like maybe Leicester could come back into the game, Maybe they could scrape a point. He just decided to absolutely monster the entire West Ham uh, Leicester backline. Absolutely embarrassed them. Their defending was shocking. So, you, uh all over the place, and Daniel and Marty next to him. Not not a Premier League caliber centre back. Roger's decision not to make any defensive changes was very very strange. Misguided, I think, would be the best way to put it. But West Ham run out 4 1 winners and deserved 4 1 winners. They were comfortably the better team from start to finish, dominated the game, created chances galore. The three behind Antonio, Bowen, Benrama, and Fornals played really, really well. Fornals and Benrama seem to be developing a really good understanding. And you'll, you'll often see ben Rama Central and Fornells on the left and then they'll swap. And what that does is it drags, it drags defensive midfielders and fullbacks out of position and it creates opportunities for overlaps. I think West Ham have a very, very balanced team. Now, there's some flaws in it for sure. They wouldn't be ideal defensively in terms of, the personnel, but Moyes has a good defensive system. But the central midfield is so strong with Suchek and Rice. So, so strong. That as a pairing is as good as you'll find in the league. That 3-0 behind Antonio are excellent. They work so well together. They complement each other brilliantly. They've got a really good blend of talents. Fornals as a passer, someone that you can kind of run your attack through. Ben Rama as a game-changer, great dribbler, creative passer, can score a goal. And then Bowen is the best dribbler of the three. He's got the most pace of the three. He's the option to stretch the play. And he's the best goal scorer of the three, the most natural goal scorer of the three. And then you've got Antonio up front, who's so unique. I mean, the closest thing to him in the Premier League is probably Lukaku. But again, he's different. Antonio last night made himself West Ham's all-time leading Premier League goalscorer. He now has 51 goals. Now, that says a lot about what West Ham had up front before him. But it also shows that a player like him, who spent a long time being played as a wing-back, as a winger, in deeper roles, he's just kept going and kept going, and finally he's being used properly. I said last season David Moyes should have won Manager of the Year, and he's already off to a great start this year. Two wins from two. The Hammers look really, really good. They look good against Newcastle, especially going forward, and again here at Leicester, they look good all over. They've made a very, very impressive start this season. And they're not easy games either. Newcastle away is tough, largely the distance. And then Leicester are one of the five best teams in the league, based on last year's league table and the season before's league table. So for West Ham to take six points from six, I think Moyes will be thrilled. The fans should be thrilled. The problem is going to be when the Europa League starts and they're doing Thursday, Sunday. And the squad isn't particularly strong. Let's start in midfield, because I think that is their strongest point with Suchek and Rice, because I do think that's one of the three or four best midfields in the league. But behind them, there's no depth. Mark Noble is the only recognisable midfielder. Pablo Fornals could play there, but it's not ideal to use him in, in that kind of situation. Noble is 34. He's three years past being a Premier League calibre player, and they're substantially better without him in the team. When he's in the team, they don't play the same way. They're, They're not nearly as good. When he's out, they're just much better off. That's an area they're going to have to improve on. That's an area that they have to find depth for. They can't go through a Premier League season with just three midfield players. Now, I'm sure they've got a couple of young players like Conor Coventry that they'd like to use there. But, again, you've got no experience quality depth there. You need to find a third one. Alex Kral, who they were linked with in the summer, would be a a really good fit. I'm looking through their entire first-team squad, and the only other registered central midfielder that they have is Conor Coventry who's 21, so he's not a kid, but he's played some total of three games for West Ham, all in the EFL Cup, won a season in each of the past three seasons. He played seven games on a loan with Lincoln City in 1920. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he missed a substantial period of last year with an injury. So that's an area they need to strengthen. Before the summer, I would have said goalkeeper as well. You've got Fabianski, who's he's good, he's not great, he's 35 now. David Martin is, again, he's 35, 36, he's a squad player at best. And Darren Randolph is good, not great, and again, he's he's 35 or so. But they did bring in Alphonse Areola, who I think that's a great signing. I think he adds huge upside there, and I think if he does well, they'll obviously buy him. He did really well last season when he was on loan at Fulham. I think he's a top goalkeeper. Not world-class level, but I think he can be the level below. And I think there's a number of Premier League clubs. Arsenal, for example, have spent £24 on a substantially worse goalkeeper. So West Ham did really well to get him in. At right back, you've got Vladimir Soufal, who arrived last summer. He's been excellent for them. And the backup, I suppose, is Ryan Fredericks who has always looked a little bit out of place at Premier League level. They do have young Ben Johnson, who looks a talent, so that might be that one sorted. At left-back, Masuwaka is the backup. He's not really a left-back. He's more of a wing-back or a winger. And Aaron Cresswell has had a lot of injury problems over his career and is now 31, will be 32 just before Christmas. Now, he's been at the club a long time, since 2014. He's played a ton of games for them. But he has missed time with injuries in in multiple seasons. They could do with getting another option there. Go with someone young, someone that you can develop behind Cresswell to replace him. Um, Their centre-back options, the starting pair, seems to be Craig Dawson and Angelo Ogbonna. Now, Albon is a good centre-back. Dawson was good, then was really bad for a couple of seasons. Last season he did improve, but towards the end of the season we saw a lot of errors for him. They do still own Winston Reid. I assume he leaves before the transfer window closes. I don't see a situation where they keep him. Uh, And obviously they own Issa Diop, who was brilliant in his first season there and then has kind of tailed off. They're strongly linked with Zuma, they were linked with um, Nikola Milinkovic, they were linked with Duje kaleta so it looks like they are going to try and address that position and add one more in there who can give them depth, maybe become a starter, maybe walk in as a day one starter and give them you know, a big upgrade in that position. But they definitely need a centre-back. So you've got left-back and centre-back that they could do with strengthening. Ideally with starters, but at the very least with squad depth. Midfield, we've already mentioned. The three who play behind the striker. You've got Yarmolenko, who's a quality player. Hasn't been quite the same since the Achilles injury. But he's still a quality player. And you've got Lanzini, who's capable of moments of brilliance. So in that regard the the three behind the striker you've also got uh young Zande Silva the Portuguese kid they've had a couple of years he's a good player so you've got options in that role but the big need is a backup for up front, uh, in attack is a backup for Antonio without question they need to sort a better backup for Mikel Antonio they just don't have anybody who can replicate what he does Or even hold a similar level of quality when he's out. So looking through their squad, I think most people would agree. Starting centre-back, left-back, either starting or depth. Depth midfielder and a depth striker. Someone that can be, you know, a proxy for Antonio when he's not there. Divock Origi could be a good fit. Similar type of build. Similar type of pace. Doesn't have Antonio's strength. But he's a direct threat. He's good in the air. He can play off the shoulder. Someone like him could be good. They've been linked with some good centre-backs. Left-backs are hard enough to find. There's not a whole heap of them out there who are, are good enough. But I'm sure they could find it if they want to. And I think Alex Krall is the midfielder they've been linked with that makes sense. So with the windows set to close in, what, seven, eight days they really could do with getting four players in. It's unlikely that they will, and there's still a lot of talk about Lingard. Now, for me, Lingard's a bit of a luxury because you already have quality behind your striker. Last season, you almost sacrificed Ben Rama to get Lingard in the team, and I know he had a great run, but Lingard's always been tagged as a training ground player who couldn't really put it into the the match. Last season without fans, there was less pressure in the stadium. And maybe that's what prompted Jesse Lingard to have what looks like a fluke run. If you can, if you contrast it to the rest of his career, it looks like a fluke run. I don't know that I'd be willing to spend £25 million on Jesse Lingard when I've already got Ben Rama, I've got Fornals, and I've got Bowen, I've got Yarmolenko, I've got Lanzini. And I have much bigger needs. I need that backup for Antonio. I need someone behind Rice and Suchek. Ideally I'd like two midfielders but you won't be too greedy. You'll take one. You need that starting centre back and you you need a left back. Because even if you look at Masuaka as a left back, he's always injured. The guy's injured all the time. So you can't rely on him. Like they do have some young players and maybe one of them pans out but Harrison Ashby's a right back. I don't know much about uh, Manny Langello. I think he is a left back. Uh, I don't know anything about Jamal Baptiste. Maybe he's a left back as well. But I would go and find a left back. I would find a, buy that centre back that you need. Get that midfielder. Get that striker. You're going to need them. With, with Europa League, you are badly going to need them. We have seen better teams than West Ham. With respect, better teams than West Ham fall off in the Premier League because of the drain that Europa League puts on a team. Great win last night. Confidence for the season ahead. Moyes definitely back in in the swing of things, back in his groove like he had at Everton. Washed off the dirt of Manchester United, Sunderland, Real Sociedad. He settled at West Ham now. They're very lucky to have him. He's doing a tremendous job, but you've got to back him. You've got to back him. Now is the time to back that man. Get him the players he needs. Get him the squad depth he needs. So that he can try and repeat the trick. Try and get Europa League football again. Why not? Why not have that ambition? You've got the stadium for it. Wasn't that the whole idea of moving to the new stadium? Was to get European football, play in Europe, attract players that wanted to play in Europe? If you want to do it more than once, you have to back the manager. You have to give him the money that he's earned. Last season, you went into it and everybody thought you were going to get relegated or fight against relegation at best. He almost got you top four. He almost got you top four. He got you Europa League. It's time to reward that. Speaking of rewards, I was watching Monday Night Football. Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher. A right old discussion around Manchester United, Harry Kane, somehow. And Gary Neville said that United should be buying Harry Kane. That United should be paying $150 million to sign Harry Kane. This is the same Manchester United, by the way, that have already spent about $115 million this summer on Jadon Sancho and on... Raphael Varane. This is the same Gary Neville who in the past has criticised multiple clubs for their spending habits. So Neville was trying to defend Ollie while also talking about the need to bring in a Harry Kane type. And what he came out with, some of the strangest stuff, but one of the graphics Sky put up, was a comparison between Jürgen Klopp and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer after 99 Premier League games. So, Klopp had had one full season because he took over early in the 15-16 season. So he had the entirety of 16-17, and then he hit 99 games at some point during 17-18. Ole's had two full seasons. He took over later. In the 18-19 season. Klopp was 1.89 points per game. Oli, 1.86 points per game. Klopp's points per game rank had, a, had his team 4th in the Premier League over that time. Ollies is 3rd. Klopp's Premier League win percentage was 54%. Ollies is 53%. Klopp had won zero trophies. Oli had won zero trophies. Klopp had been runner-up twice. That was the League Cup and the yeah the Europa League the first year. Um, and Oli runner-up twice as well. Klopp had spent two hundred and forty-seven million. Oli has spent four hundred and twenty-one million. So, about one hundred and seventy-five million more. But here's the key figure. Net spend. Solskjaer, $314 million. $314 million in two and a bit seasons. Klopp had made a $30 million profit. Now, comparisons between the two are obviously nonsensical. Klopp took over a train wreck. Rodgers having almost been carried to the title by Suarez. Had spent a bunch of money and a bunch of bad players, created a mess. Liverpool's ship was sinking and they were going nowhere real quick. Ollie, on the other hand, took over a team that had finished second the season before. And having finished second, had spent about 60 million on Diogo Dalot and Fred. He took over a much better situation. He took over a team that had won major trophies two seasons before that, when Mourinho won the Europa League and the League Cup and finished second. Oli inherited a good squad. He didn't inherit any real issues. He inherited De Gea, Lindelof, Bailly, Pogba, Romelu Lukaku. Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, Ander Herrera, Luke Shaw, Nemanja Matic, Scott McTominay. He was a young player at the time, so we won't really count him, but he inherited a really good squad. A far better squad than Liverpool. Mason Greenwood also in that squad as well, of course, by the way. Um, com- compare and contrast that with what Klopp took over. Christian Benteke, Dejan Lovren, Nathaniel Klein, Adam Lalana, you know, players that had no business being at a club like Liverpool. Oli has spent 421 million, 314 net spent. Let's look at those signings. I've done this before, but let's look at them again, just for the purpose of Mr. Neville. So, his first summer. They buy Dan James, they buy Aaron Wan-Bissaka, they buy Harry Maguire, and then in the January they buy Bruno Fernandez. Now they do. They do sell. Romelu Lukaku, top class striker, hadn't really worked from United, but everybody knew if you get him fit and motivated, he will score goals for fun, as he would do it into Milan. Into Ollie's second summer in charge, Donny Vanderbeek arrives, Alex Tellez, Ahmed Diallo, uh, Facundo Palestri, and obviously Cavani on a free. No real departures of note. Alexis Sanchez goes on a free heap in a flop. Chris Mouling leaves. And someone called Harvey Neville, who I, I really hope is related to the Neville's. Is he related to the Neville's? He is. He's the son of Phil Neville. Interesting. He now plays for Fort Lauderdale CF. He'd been in the United City, Valencia and United Academy and isn't good enough to play apparently in the English football league. So that's nice. Now it might just be that his dad is coach of Inter Miami. So Fort Lauderdale makes sense for them, but you know, does appear that maybe there's a bit of favoritism there. Anyway, back to Ollie. This summer just gone. Sancho Varan. So about a hundred million every summer. Neville's argument is City are going for Kane, Chelsea are going for Lukaku, United only have Martial, Cavani and Greenwood. Now, he said Cavani and Martial will be gone within 12 months, I'm not sure what he bases that on, I don't really see that Martial will leave. If he was going to leave, why wouldn't he just leave now? Why wouldn't United sell him now? It's 12 months ago Gary Neville was telling us that Anthony Martial was one of the best strikers in the league. Now he wants him out because other clubs got shiny toys. Chelsea got Lukaku. The same Lukaku that United sold. Now he wants United to sign Harry Kane. And Jamie Reddack made the point of this is always United's approach. Just throw money at it. Just go and spend money. And he's right. It has been. This has been Manchester United's approach. For years and years and years. There was a myth when Ferguson was manager. That United didn't spend money like other clubs. That United were. You know somehow. Better than other clubs. Because they produced all their own players. And, and they didn't. They produced one really good crop of young players. Beckham, Giggs, Skulls, Both the Nevilles. And after that it was like. A guy here, a guy there, no one that ever actually became a starter. Darren Fletcher, he was a starter for a couple of years, but it took him quite a while. Wes Brown, John O'Shea, but these guys were squad players. They never were starters for United. United bought heavily, bought strikers, bought midfielders, bought defenders. Rio Ferdinand was a record signing. Uh, Juan Sebastian Varon was a record signing. Rude van Nistelrooy was huge money. You go back to Roy Keane, that was huge money. Gary Pallister was a British record for a defender. Neil Webb was a British transfer record. United were spending huge money from the 80s onwards. Alex Ferguson was not some sort of mythical creature who was able to find everything he needed at the Manchester United Academy. He bought whatever he needed and then topped it up with players from the Academy as and when they were good enough or when he deemed them good enough. United outspent everybody from about 88 to 03. And then Abramovich arrived. And United carried on spending and spent heavily all through the 2000s. But they spent less than Chelsea and were able to point at Chelsea and go, it's them, they're the bad guys, they're the ones spending all the money, not us. They're the ones spending all the money. Then City come on the scene. And now they have two clubs they can point at and go. Well, look, they spend more than us, so we're not buying success there. And in a way, they're right because Chelsea and City have bought success, and United have bought well a multitude of failures. Neville said, "United have." Tr- Carragher said that United's problem might be the manager. He said, "If you were to give Klopp or Guardiola the United squad." they'd win the league, or they'd compete for the league, I think he said. And he's right, they would. You look at you know, De Gea or Henderson, neither neither are world-class. De Gea was, obviously isn't anymore. Henderson's still quite young, still unproven at, at a club like United. But now they've got Juan Bissaka, 50 million at right-back. Varane, 40 million would have been 80 a couple of years ago. And Maguire was 80 million. And then Luke Shaw was 35 million in 2014. I would guess that based on footballing inflation, that's probably somewhere in the region of about 60 to 70 million now. I could be wrong. Uh, If anyone knows how to calculate that, just go and check. But I would say it's somewhere in that region. Um, In midfield, you've got Paul Pogba, 89 million. 2016 as well, it's way higher now. Bruno was 50-odd. Fred was 50. you got Matic cost 40, I think. That could be your four-man midfield. And then up top, say, you go Sancho, Martial. Just as an example of how they spent money. Now, obviously, if you're putting a team together, you'd go Bruno... Pogba, Fred as a midfield three, even though it wouldn't really work. But that's probably the three best individual midfielders. And then Sancho, Rashford plus one. It's a very expensive team. There's a lot of good players there. There's nobody I would say is world-class. I think Bruno, he's a world-class producer. But De Gea is not world-class anymore. Maguire is not world-class. Shaw's not world-class. He's had one good season in seven years. Varane was, isn't anymore. Wanda Sak is nowhere close. Pogba's a world-class talent, never been a world-class player. Uh, Bruno, like I said, Fred's not world-class. Sancho should become, isn't yet. I think Rashford has the talent to be, but isn't yet. And if you say the third attacker's Greenwood, absolutely the talent to be, isn't yet. But I think a great manager can compete for the title with that team, with that squad that's there. Because the players I haven't mentioned, Lindelof and Baye, quality backup centre-backs, still a Phil Jones for a bit of depth. Cavani, Mathis, still a decent player. Martial's a quality striker. Lingard's a decent player. Ahmed Diallo's one of the most exciting young wingers in the world. Diogo um, Dalot's De a decent backup right-back. I don't understand why they just don't use him as the alternative to Juan bissaka this idea that we have to go and buy Kieran Trippier who's 30 when you already own a good young attacking right back. Daniel James a little bit raw but a talented player good squad depth to have Um, whichever of De Gea or Henderson isn't your starting goalkeeper is your backup and whichever one of them isn't the, is the backup is probably the best backup in the league. Alex, Alex Tellez is a really really good option at left back. Matic is a quality player still he's He's slow and he can't really run anymore, but he can read the game well and his positioning is still great. Anthony Alanga is a really talented young player. Scott McTominay is decent. Taden Menji, Hannibal Meshbury, and Shola Shortire, United fans tell me frequently, are among the best young talents in England. So, you know, you've got Brandon Williams out on loan, a good player. Tahit Chong out on loan, a good player. Alex Tunzebi, good young centre-back. James Garner, apparently, they've got huge hopes for. Palestri. they've got huge hopes for. And Andreas Pereira, who, again, he's a decent player. There's no reason that squad can't win the title, other than the fact that they're managed by a PE teacher. And they're missing a defensive midfielder. That's what you would have to buy. Your first thing would have to be get a defensive midfielder. If if Klopp took over and went 4-3-3, I think he'd go Bruno, a new holding midfielder, and Fred, If Pep took over, I think he'd go Bruno, a new holding midfielder, and Pogba. But I think both would be very happy with the squad. It's definitely a squad that should be competing for the titles. Neville claimed all he needs 12 to 18 more months. He's already been in the job 30 months but he needs more time. Neville said, well, United have gone the world-class manager route. They brought in Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho. Fair, in a way. But after Ferguson, they bring in Moyes. They sack Moyes halfway through, well, not halfway through, in the April of his first season, and they bring in Louis van Gaal. Now, at that point, 2014, Louis was 63 years of age. Had been managing the Netherlands for a couple of seasons, which is, you know, international football. is more of a part-time job. It's not, it's not the hectic day today. Um, he'd managed Bayern for a couple of seasons before that. It hadn't gone particularly well. Uh, he was sacked. Before that, he'd managed AZ Alkmaar. A second tier, Eredivisie Divisi team, not, not an elite team like Ajax, PSV, or a big club like Feyenoord, AZ Alkmaar. Now, he did well there, it must be said. But Louis Van Gaal hadn't been a world class manager, probably since he left Barcelona, which was in 2003, 11 years before United signed him. He'd been great. He wasn't great when United got him. So under Louis, they spend loads of money. Absolutely loads of money. They bring in Ander Herrera, Luke Shaw, Marcus, Marcus Rojo, Angel de Maria, Daly Blind. Tons of money spent. And it doesn't go particularly well. But they end up in fourth. The following season, they end up fifth. And they win the, the FA Cup. Having in the summer bought Memphis Depay, Mateo Darmian, Morgan Schneidlin. Anthony Martial, and Bastian Schweinsteiger, so again another hundred million easy spent there. Finish fifth, sack him, bring in Jose. Jose's first season, they win the Europa League and the EFL Cup. They'd brought in by Zlatan, Mkhitaryan and Pogba. Spent about 150 million. They finished sixth, but they do win the cups. The following season, obviously the season they finished second. They brought in Lukaku, Lindelof, Matic, Zlatan. And then in, in the January, they did the swap for Alexis. And the Alexis one is obviously an interesting thing where they just blew city out of the water in terms of the wages they paid Alexis. And it turned into a disaster. But again, you look at seventy five million for Rom, forty for Matic, thirty for Lindelof. I think they paid five million in Mekaterion or something like that for Alexis. But again, it's it's around 150 million. But again with Mourinho, he'd been a world class manager, but was he still one? I don't think he was. I think he was a world class manager up until his final season at Real Madrid, and then something changed in him when he lost the dressing room there. And he went to Chelsea. His first season was decent. His second season he wins the league. And then it all just falls apart in complete capitulation. All starting with that incident when Eden Hazard went down. The physio ran on and Mourinho had a temper tantrum. I don't know that Mourinho was a world-class manager by the time he got to United. I know he certainly wasn't one while he was there. But he did win two major trophies and he finished second. Now, Oli has finished second in a season where Liverpool were decimated by injuries and they barely finished second above Liverpool. They got nowhere close to winning the title. And he has spent ludicrous sums of money since taking over. But United have constantly, since Ferguson left, just thrown good money after bad. They spent a lot of money under Ferguson. But since he's out the door, it's incredible how much they've spent go through that squad it's it's insane the cost of that squad and the answer always seems to be we'll spend more money buy another player in this case neville's answer is buy harry kane 150 million you do not need a striker that's not what's holding united back and neville's failure to see this is probably why he failed as a manager They've got Cavani, they've got Martial, they've got Greenwood. And yet, maybe Cavani's gone in 12 months, but Greenwood in 12 months will be even better than he is now. In all likelihood, Martial sticks around. Neville said, oh, Rashford, he plays from the left. He doesn't want to. And Pogba plays from the left at the minute. So there's no real role there for Rashford. So if Sancho's on the right and Pogba's on the left, then Rashford's only way into the team is through the middle. And he wants to go and spend £150 million on a 28-year-old. then yes, he'll score goals. Yes, Harry Kane is excellent. But Neville's whole logic on this is because City want to do it and Chelsea signed Lukaku, United sold Lukaku two years ago. If they wanted a top-class striker. They could have just kept the one they had. His argument made no sense. United's biggest need is a holding midfield player. The £75 million it would cost to get Will Fendidi from Leicester would be a far better spend than the 150 to get Kane out of Spurs. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Wan-Bissaka, and I would go for a different type of right-back, personally. Like, I think if they added Max Ahrens, from Norwich, and I know he's raw and he has defensive issues to weed out, but if you had him and Juan de as your options there and you could rotate them, you have Aarons, Varane, Maguire, Shaw, Bruno, Ndidi, Fred or Pogba, depending on who you're playing, Sancho, Greenwood, or Martial, or Cavani, again, depending on who you play, and then Rashford on the left, as a 4-3-3. Or against better quality opposition, you play Bruno as a 10 behind a striker, Pogba off the left, Sancho off the right. Or Sancho off the left would be preferable, but you know, you're not going to stick Pogba on the right. And then you go Didi and Fred in midfield. When you need to bed in and be more defensive, that's the game you play Wan-Bissaka. It's the game you drop your line 10 yards but spending £100 million on Max Ahrens and Wilf and Didi would do far more for them than spending £150 million on Harry Kane. Harry Kane would be such a, a poor signing for United. It wouldn't fix any of their issues. United's issue is not going to be scoring goals. Did, did nobody see them against Leeds? But Neville likes to beat this strong because he wants the England captain. At his club. Because he thinks there's some sort of cachet in that. It's nonsensical. His argument made no sense. And and Carragher was right to pull him up on it. Neville's answer is always spend more money. Now. Let's not forget with Neville. The hypocrisy. Neville wants the owners to back the manager now. Neville never criticised the owners. At all. Pre-Super League. Before they threatened his you know, his potential standing with Sky. And he never told them to back managers until his mate was in charge. If anyone other than his friend was managing United and had overseen what Oli has overseen, Neville wouldn't be saying, give him 12 or 18 more months. He would say, where's Antonio Conte? I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, Little bit more on Conte, whose name's come up linked with a different job, and why I think maybe it's the job for him. Seen a few. Right, welcome back. So, before the break, we were talking about Manchester United and the potential. For Oli Gunnar Solskjaer to be replaced. And Gary Neville's claims he needs 12 to 18 more months. Oh and a £150 million striker. Now Antonio Conte's name has come up linked to another club. Not linked but suggested for another club in recent days. And that club is Arsenal. Arsenal started this season in disastrous form. Back to back defeats. Looked really poor in both games. Defensively all over the place in both games. They're spending a lot of money this summer. They've brought in Ben White for 50, Odegaard for 30, Aaron Ramsdale for 24, Laconga, I think, for 17, Nuno Tavares for 8. So, a lot of money, a lot of faith has been put in Mikel Antonio. This is why Antonio likely won't get sacked anytime soon. But I was talking to Guy and some others in on a WhatsApp group the other day about Conte and the potential fit at a club like Arsenal. Now, There's a couple of issues here. Number one, Edu is completely incompetent as a director of football. Now, that doesn't mean that people should find his daughter's profile on Instagram and tweet her abuse. That's out of line. But when you go to the game, feel free to express your opinion to him directly. Um, We know that Conte would want to play a 3-5-2. That's what he does. It's how he plays. So you look through the Arsenal squad. With regards to a back three, you've got a couple of ways you can go with this. Gabriel can be the central one or the left-sided one. If he's the central one, Kieran Tierney can be the left-sided one. If he's the left-sided one, Kieran Tierney is your left wing back. Ben White could play on the right of a back three or in the middle of a back three. He's got more experience on the right. That's probably where you'd stick him. I would go White and Gabriel as the outside uh, centre-backs and look to bring back William Saliba. Now, again, it'll be next summer, but they're already into this season. They're committed to this group. Bring back Saliba next summer. He goes into the middle. And now you've got White, Saliba, and Gabriel. Three young centre-backs that can be developed together under a manager like Conte, Hoot always makes players better, makes every defender he works with better. So the back three could be absolutely fine. In terms of depth, Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, and Pablo Mari, it's absolutely fine. Chambers is probably perfect as a right-side centre-back in a three. That's probably his role. He's not really a centre-back. He's not quite a right-back. The right side of a three is probably ideal. Now, he's not a starter-quality player, but a good squad player, Holding in that central role, I think it would be fine. And Pablo Mari's decent. He'd be okay on the left-hand side. You've got Kieran Tierney as a left wing-back. You've brought in Nuno Tavares. So your left wing-back situation is sorted. I've always said that Bellerin is a wing-back, not a full-back. Now, he wants to leave, and I, I wouldn't have him anyway. So you move him on. But I don't think they need to buy a replacement in that situation, because I think Ainsley, Maitland, Niles would be the perfect right wing-back in a Conte team. He's good on the ball. He's good defensively. He's pretty quick. He runs endlessly. He's a good passer of the ball. You're not looking for someone to blow people away. I mean, let's remember, he won the league at Chelsea with Victor Moses at right wing-back. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a better player and certainly a better wing-back. We've seen him play wing-back as well. Cedric Soares is a little bit past his best. He'd maybe look to upgrade on him. But for now, he'd be fine as a right wing back, as a backup there. In central midfield, Thomas Partey would absolutely be a, start, a starter for him. I think he'd quite like Lakonga. He definitely would not like, in any way, shape or form, Granit Jacca. I do think he'd like Wendozi. I know he'd like Torreira because he's tried to buy him in the past. He could play Odegaard in his midfield three. He used Christian Eriksen in a three last year. But there's options there. You'd you'd likely want to bring in one midfielder up front. I think he'd work with Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Balogun, Saka, Martinelli, and Pepe as his attacking options. You can also use Smith Rowe in midfield. I should have said. I think one midfielder. And a goalkeeper. Now they've just spent 24 million on a goalkeeper. Which is a bit problematic. But you could sell Leno next summer. Buy a new goalkeeper. And just leave Ramsdale as the backup. It's not Conte's mess. it's Somebody else's. That Arsenal team is better than people think. It's better than it's shown. There's really good players there. Leno's not my cup of tea. But he's not dreadful. A lot of people do like and Tierney's really good. White's not a fifty million pound centre back, but in a three or as a right back or as a holding midfielder, he's got a lot of value. Thomas Partey is excellent. Gabriel showed enough last season to suggest he's going to be really good. Saka is sensational. Odegaard's very, very talented. Lacazette's a quality player. Smith Rowe, I think, is tremendous. I think Lucas Torreira is really good. I don't understand what. Like you've watched Granit Xhaka play for five years. How are you turning around and telling Lucas Torreira he's not part of your plans? How is that happening at Arsenal Football Club? Willian, you definitely want rid of. And rumours are he's going back to Brazil. Runner Alex Runnerson, you definitely want rid of. Um, Obamiang is still Obamiang. He's still a quality player. He's still one of the best strikers in the world. Now, he might be one of the 15 best, but he's still one of that group. Maitland Niles, I think, is a quality player. Can play a ton of positions. Rob Holding is decent for depth. Same with Suarez. Nicholas Pepe is a lot better than people give him credit for. Nuno Tavares is a good quality depth left back. I said about Chambers. I think he'd be absolutely spot on as the right side of a three. Mari is the left side of a three. Or you know, even in a a two man pairing, he's a decent backup. Lacongo is a big talent. Reece Nelson's a big talent. Mohamed El Nenny's not. A great player, but he's a good ball winner and he works incredibly hard. He's a good squad player to have. Baligan's a huge talent and Ketty is a huge talent. Kalasnik, now I would say goodbye to. I would never have signed Ramsdale. Ah, uh, Jack, I would have waved goodbye. I would have driven him to Rome. And Martinelli's immense, immensely talented player. Saliba, Mavroponos and Guendouzi they've got out on loan. I don't think there's buy options on Guendozi and Saliba. There is on Mavroponos, which was a mistake. But that Arsenal squad is not bad at all. You give a top-end manager, that squad, a couple of good players to add to it, one in goal, one in midfield, and a decent director of football, And I genuinely don't think Arsenal are far from being turned around. But Arteta's out of his depth. The job is too big for him. It's too early in his career for that kind of job. And Edu... Simply just doesn't know what he's doing. Simple as that. Just doesn't know what he's doing. He's not good enough. Not for Arsenal. It's one of the three biggest clubs in the country. So while people will scoff and say, well, why would Conte go there? There is an element to that. They're a mid-table team. They don't have European football. The ownership situation is, is not good. They don't have good people in their key positions on the football side of things. But the squad is really good as a starting point. Really, really good. That's a much better squad than Jurgen Klopp inherited at Liverpool. Much better squad than Jurgen Klopp inherited. And could easily be turned into the perfect Conte team. So when you hear people suggest it, don't necessarily scoff at it. There's logic behind it. Now, it may just be that who I think it was Collymore that said it um, throughout Conte's name, because he's a big name manager and he's out of work. But when you actually look at it, the players do fit what he would want to do. And there's good depth there. You'd only really need to, to bring in a couple. And you'd probably get by with what you have for half a season. Oh, Collymore said Simeone. Simeone's is a different kettle of fish. And looking at that squad, it's not going to work for Simeone. And Thomas Partey would because he's Thomas Partey and he, he basically grew up under Simeone. I can't remember who said Conte. Um, you look at it from a Simeone point of view. Uh, Leno would be, I mean, he's, he's Leno. He'd be all right. They'd need a right back. Tierney be perfect. Ben White would be his right back. Ben White would be his right back. I don't know that he'd necessarily like Saliba. I don't think he's that type of Simeone centre back. So he might want one centre back to go with Gabriel. I think he'd play Smith Rowe and Saka right midfield and left midfield. Partey plus one, probably Lukanga, but but a more developed Lukanga. He did he did take a bit of a shine to. Um, Lucas Torreira last year, didn't play him because he had cocaine. didn't play him a lot played him off the bench quite a bit, but didn't start him a lot but uh, did like him, did rate him, he could go Torreira and um, and Thomas Partey see he likes that sort of target man striker that out and out nine in Arsenal Lacazette is one, he has been linked with Atletico, so maybe he'd go Lacazette with Aubameyang off him that could work So, yeah, I mean, like I said, again, it's it's three players. Goalkeeper, centre-back, because I don't think he'd really go with with Saliba. And that midfield player to go with Thomas Partey, but he could use Torreira. Again, it's not not a bad team. It's not a bad squad. It's a really good squad with lots of promising players. And I know they're just names that people throw around because they're great managers and Arsenal could do with a great manager to sort the mess out. I mean, if, if, if Klopp hadn't taken the Liverpool job, Liverpool would be, would be this, without question. But Arsenal's squad is better than what Klopp inherited. And if they could attract a Conte, he absolutely could turn it around quite quickly. That's one of the things he does. He turns things around really, really quickly. We will finish up. With the gossip of the day, uh, according to the Athletic, Arsenal will listen to offers for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and will not stand in his way if he wants to. No, this, sorry, this is in the Telegraph. Um, will not stand in his way if he expresses a desire to leave. There will be no offers. He's on ridiculous wages and he had a bad season. He's also just got, got over coronavirus, so he's not going to be moving. The Gunners are determined to support under-pressure manager Mikel Arteta. Uh, that's because if they get rid of him, the focus will fall on others. Um, former Chelsea boss Antonio Conte is a contender to become Arsenal manager if the club decide to sack him. That's also from the Telegraph. Daniel Levy will not drop his valuation of Harry Kane and could even refuse a British record bid of close to one hundred and fifty from Man- one hundred and fifty million from Manchester City for the twenty-eight year old. Um, I I said yesterday, I think it's too late in the window to sell him. I just don't understand how you could sell him this late in the window. Wolves have rejected a bid from Tottenham to take Spanish winger Adam Traore on loan. That's a cheeky bid. Uh, Tottenham have have opened talks at Juventus over a move for Weston McKennie. He's a good player. He is a good player. Um, Chelsea are considering a late loan move for Saul Niguez, while the Blues have offered new contracts to Antonio Rudiger. And Andreas Christensen. I thought Christensen should leave, but it does look like Thomas Tuchel likes him. In that case, stick around. Rudiger's not going to get a better club. Um, I don't believe that they're considering a late loan move for Saul at all. I think they want uh, Chimeni from Monaco. But they may not buy a midfielder. They do have plenty. They could do with a holding midfielder, but that's not really Saul's game. You'd You'd be kind of wasting him doing that with him. Um England midfielder Declan Rice Plans to turn down any offers Of a new contract from West Ham As he feels he's been priced out of a move He has three years left in his current deal And the Hammers have an option To extend that by a further year So he's got four years left on his deal So West Ham have no Reason to sell him And all he's doing is costing himself money Because if he gets A new deal He'll get bigger wages He'll probably be able to negotiate some kind of buyout, kind of like Grealish did last summer. I think that's very short-sighted from Declan Rice, and whoever's advising him needs to book their ideas up. Chelsea are hopeful of signing Jules Cundé, with the 22-year-old said to have a £77 million release clause in his contract. Two clubs had hoped that Kurt Zuma could be part of a deal, but the Frenchman rejected at the chance to, look, to join Sevilla. The Elf Spoofer says that uh Kunde has personal terms agreed since weeks. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, what kind of time frame we're looking at. Uh fifty-two weeks, eighty weeks, four weeks, who knows? Um this is the thing with being really vague. You can kind of just spoof your way through as as Fabrizio is uh, is wont to do. Manchester United remain interested in Eduardo Camavinga, but feel the French international would prefer a move to PSG or Spanish club. That Spanish club is Real Madrid. You can just name them. West Ham are looking at Lille's French midfielder Jonathan Bamba as a possible alternative to Jesse Lingard. Well, Bamba plays in wide positions more than central positions. He's a winger. Um, I also don't think Lille will be all that open to selling him. He's a good player. He doesn't score enough goals. The big issue with him. He doesn't score nearly enough goals. Arsenal are prepared to pay 10 million for Eddie Nketiah, but the Gunners are holding out for closer to 20 million. The England under 21 record goal scorer has also attracted interest from Germany this summer. You're not going to get 20 million for him. He's out of contract next summer and he's not really done anything at senior level, so not happening. Arsenal midfielder Lucas Torreira is close to joining Fiorentina on loan with the Uruguay midfielder having spent last season at Atletico Madrid. That's from Football London, I assume, Chris Wheatley, which means it is factual information. Willian is set to leave Arsenal to join Corinthians in his homeland on a free transfer. As I said, right at the start of the window, when when Fritzio and all the rest were saying Arsenal will consider good offers, they will consider any offer that gets them off their books, is what they will do. Wolves are ready to make a seven million pound bid for Kiefer Moore of Cardiff. I, I I just don't see him as a Premier League striker personally, but he'd be I suppose he'd be third choice or second choice behind Jimenez with Fabio Silva kind of as third choice for the next year. I wouldn't do it if I was Kiefer Moore because your first choice for your national team, and if you get buried on the bench at Wolves or you're in the stands some weeks you're not going to make your national team. Manchester United defender Phil Jones is ready to consider a, to consider a loan to a championship club with the 29-year-old having fallen down the pecking order. is not really fallen down as much as he's just been injured for over a year, but I think he could help Premier League clubs, not as a starter, but as a squad player. He'd be decent as, as a squad player for Burnley. As a fourth centre-back, Tarkovsky, me, Collins, Jones, that'd be fine. Newcastle and West Ham could compete with Burnley to sign Ivory Coast left back Maxwell Cornet. Uh, Burnley have made a 15 million bid, which would be paid across five installments, it's kind of standard. Arsenal have had a bid, sorry, Everton have had a bid for 18 year old Canada born Ford Daniel Jebison, who represents England at youth international, turned down by Sheffield United. Aston Villa, Brentford and Leeds are also interested in the teenager. I I think the best thing Sheffield United can do is hold on to him. Because you sold real cheap on Calvert-Lewin. And if he were to move now, he's probably a 50 to 60 million pound player. And you sold him for about a million and a half. Leicester and Southampton are interested in Middlesbrough's English right back, Jed Spence. Jed Spence is really, really good. I don't I don't see either of those clubs actually being interested in him, though. Leicester have Ricardo Pereira, Timothy Castagne, and when he returns from injury, James Justin as right-backs. And Southampton have Kyle Walker-Peters and young Livermento that they signed in the summer, who started the first two Premier League games. So, I don't see any truth in that one. But... Crystal Palace should be in for him. They could do it a right back with Ferguson ruled out and Joel Ward being Joel Ward. Jed Spence would be perfect there. London lad, I think he'd love to come back home. I think that would be a good move for them. Good move for him. Uh, That is it then. That is the show. Longer than yesterday, so I hope that keeps Neil Devlin happy. Uh, Hello, Neil. Uh, Again, just want to say thanks to everybody for supporting the show over the last year. It does mean an awful lot. And again, thank you to Mr. Guy Drinkle. We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye. Podcast Network.